Welcome to the Power Your Life radio show with host and success doc, Joanne White. Author, speaker, certified coach, and energy master, Doc White gets to the heart of what matters most. She features guests and experts to help you consciously create more success, health, and wellness in every area of your life, work, and relationships. They'll share their success stories, wisdom, and know-how to help you shine more light onto your day and into your life. Power your life right now. Here's Joanne White. for joining us today on, I don't know where you are in the world or in the United States, but it's cold where I am. <laughs> so um, we're having an early, some early winter ups and downs. But what is most important is that there are so many incredible people who are changing lives all across the globe. And we have one such person who's doing that with children and families and actually making a difference in the lives of children with autism and special needs and their families. And I'm talking about Kara Kaczynski, who is called your pocket occupational therapist. She is a pediatric occupational therapist, a speaker, and an author of the Pocket Occupational Therapist for Families of Children with Special Needs. That's not her only book. Kara's career began in adult rehabilitation. However, when both of her children were diagnosed with autism, Kara quit her OT job to learn more about autism and specialized in pediatric therapy techniques to help not only her own children and families, but other families and other children as well. Her younger son also has microchondriacal, you're going to have to help me with that pronunciation, disease. And despite the challenges, her attitude is not only positive, she has such a strong passion to help families with the goal of empowering them. And she does that. Kara founded a successful pediatric practice specializing in autism and sensory issues. She's written four books about raising children with special needs, and book number five is Under Contract. She speaks about autism all across the United States and offers continuing education classes for professionals both in the U.S. and the another one of the books is the Weighted Blanket Guide, and her books are written from the perspective of a parent first with strategies and techniques that can be used immediately. And her books have claimed two Family Choice Awards in 2015. And I just learned that Kara's also written a book with her younger son, and she's going to tell you about the other book with her older son. Thank you so much, Kara. How are you? I'm well, Joanne. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Well, I'm really excited about this because I think that what you're doing is very important. And many families, like what you experience, learn that their children have autism or special needs, and they don't know where to turn. And they really need more practical, hands-on information. And that's where you come in with your books and your knowledge and your training and your 
positive outlook that is a, not only a blessing, but actually helps people say, wow, if Kara can do it, so can I. So give us a little bit of your background, especially how you shifted gears from working with adults to working with children and families with autism and special needs. Sure. Um, so I, a lot of people ask me what came first, the occupational therapy or the children, and it is the, the occupational therapy that came first. And I loved working with the grown-ups uh, in rehabilitation and different you know, areas, but I just felt as though I hadn't found my niche in the OT world. And then came my children, and when they, um, they were diagnosed actually very young because I kind of knew what to look for. And when both of them were diagnosed, I thought, this is just something that, you know, I've got to just, you know, the, the thing is when you get a diagnosis of autism or any kind of special need, there's a feeling of helplessness as a parent. And I felt that great helplessness. Here's your children. They're, they have autism. It's life-changing by CNN in six months for a follow-up. So at that point, I thought I've got to quit my job as a adult occupational therapist and focus on the boys and I attended any kind of conference that I could for autism sensory special needs and at each therapy session then that they went to I kind of watched what the therapist did and took what worked and what didn't work and then after some success over the few years with my boys I thought I've got to get out there and get this word out about specifically what worked for me and others and what didn't work. So it was relatively difficult to quit my job because, you know, as a new newer graduate, you get this excitement and passion about your work, but then when you have to give it up in, for uh, some special reason, in this case it was, you know, my son, my children, it made it a little bit easier because who wouldn't want to help their own children to live a better life? And, you know, that's so true. However, I have a question because many parents, like you said, when you when you receive that diagnosis, you, you kind of, like, what do I do? A little bit of floundering. And, and what do you tell parents who, who initially get that diagnosis and they're feeling confused, betrayed, you know, all sorts of, and I think it's really a mixture of a lot of different feelings because you love your child you, and, and just birth this incredible being into the world. What do you do to help families come to a place of, okay, this is what, this is, this is what the diagnosis is. It's a level of acceptance and let's look at what we need to do to be strategic about helping our children? That's a wonderful question, and it is a quite, you know, a helpless feeling. And also, some parents may even describe it as a loss of a dream. And, you know, that's hard for me because now I wouldn't trade my kids for anything, and they're better than what I had ever dreamed about. But I think in general, most of us dream as we are growing up into adolescence and young adulthood of our family and what our children will be. Will they be boys or girls? What are they going to do? Are they going to, you know, and then they come out and they're not this perfect little baby that you've expected. That's kind of a loss for a lot of people. And there is a poem that I love called Welcome to Holland. And the premise of the poem is that you wanted to go to the Bahamas and enjoy, you know, the 
beach in the hot weather and you end up in Holland, it's not where you want it to be, but it's beautiful just the same. So I think we the biggest thing that I see is this powerless feeling that, that moms have. And, and a lot of times it's hard on, if it's a boy, it's hard on the fathers because they expected maybe their son to be excellent and this and this and this, and it's not happening. So it's it's that sadness. So I like to grieve with the parents and just let them know through, you know, mindfulness exercises and just an understanding and empathy that it's going to be okay, but it's also okay to feel that loss and to feel that it's a, you know, it's quite the shock when that happens. Um, so it's, it's, I just work through the emotions with the parents. And, you know, when you do therapy with children, you're also doing it with the caregivers because they are the ones that have to follow through with your techniques. But if they're in a state of shock and depression and, wow, why me, you've got to work with them as well. And, you know, it's not easy to get past that, but I think even when we go through an experience of, of anger or any kind of loss, and it's a lot of it is because of our expectations, and, and like you said, we're building this up, and it's all exciting, it's a dream, there's going to be that period and of almost grief, like you're talking about, for what you thought was going to happen or, and, and what isn't and, and what didn't happen. And I'd love to see that poem at some point because I think that that's very, that's very beautiful in, 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 in how to describe it. And yet there are still many parents who get that diagnosis and they're floundering. They're not sure who to turn to. And they're often in denial. Um, I know I experienced this with working with some families. They, they, their expectations were over the top. And I'm not saying that the, that many of these children aren't incredible. They are such incredible beings and can really outdo many people in, in very specific areas. However, Sometimes the goals that parents have or the expectations are unrealistic and they have to take a look at, well, what what is possible and then also be able to move beyond that. How do you help parents, because you said that, that there is a conversation, how do you help parents and children and youth get to a place where they're recognizing their talents, their abilities, their you know, what they can do, which is a learn that in itself is a continuous learning process, and also be able to recognize well, like we all have to, and we all do. We all have strengths, and we all have areas of of you know areas where we need to grow or areas of weakness. What do you do to help parents along to be realistic about this journey? first thing that we've got to get parents to realize is that there is a problem because I think a lot of parents don't like their children to be labeled. I certainly didn't. Um, and labeling is, is one of those things that, yes, you do have a label, but also with that label comes great assistance. Many states have waiver programs and extra help available for kids that have carry that autism diagnosis. So that's the big thing. The other the other thing about re- realizing it is that it's not the end of your child. Early intervention is the key, and that's one of the big things that I speak about is what do you do when you first find out is the key time. As early as you can find out, 
the better because there are so many therapies then out there that can work on the strengths and, you know, help teach the child this is what I'm good at, this is what my weak areas are, because the the ultimate thing is to build up their confidence in their abilities. And the world is very quick with all of us to look at our weaknesses and tear us down. And I think that we have to build up our own self-esteem, and that's really important and unique in my practice is that I have kids that have been bullied and if people have looked at their weaknesses, other children, and say, oh, you're weird or odd. But you know what? We all are. We all have quirks and things. And really no one is, quote, normal because we all are different. So it's important for parents to realize that it's okay to call, you know, put some sort of label on your child, not because you want them to be bullied or labeled, but because that label comes with help that is going to be life-changing. And then I think as parents settle into this diagnosis and just the life of being a parent of a special needs kid is that they celebrate every success and every little milestone that my children and the clients that I work with reach, it, it's that much sweeter when you've worked so hard to achieve it. So you really learn to relish those those victories and celebrate the child. And that becomes a whole family effort, and everyone should be excited, you know, when they say, indicate they love you or can actually communicate a want or a need. So that's that's helpful for parents to know that, yes, it is, tough but we can work together through this and then your child as early as possible should get that therapy in there and can be you know live a a great life and i i think that's so true early intervention is the key to to really helping parents and educators and the people that are working with with our children helping them learn what they need to do so that they can really move, help move these children forward in a way that really serves them the best. So speaking of children, let's talk about your children because I love some of the stuff you're doing. You just have a book with your, uh, your older son, I believe. And from what I hear, you actually do a lot with your adult son and teaching him how to work with other siblings about bullying. So tell us about that story and about your son and, and, and some of the encounters you experienced and, and sort of fast when, when he was younger. And let's fast forward a little bit to what you and he are doing together now that is exploding and, and making beautiful changes in, in the world of autism and families with special needs. Oh, that's a, I'm excited to talk about my son. You know, anytime you get the chance to talk about your children, it's great, but then it's even sweeter when you've worked so hard. So when I first received the diagnosis for my, this, for my one of my sons that was supposed to be lower functioning, which me, meant that they didn't expect him to do much, they said to me, the doctor, I remember specifically saying, he will never say I love you, so just forget that. And Mm. you could be, yeah, you could fall down and he'll just step right over you to get his needs met. And I thought, boy, that's, you know, that was was the biggest thing. Yes, it's horrible. And they're just, you know, it was just a cold reality that he just expected it. So I thought that is not going to happen. 
so we immediately then, of course, because I was an OT, we jumped into every single preschool. I made calls and calls. And so eventually, by the time he was three and a half, he was in a special needs preschool, which was called the LEAP model. He was with um, four children with autism and eight children without autism. So he had a wonderful peer model group to learn social skills from. And we did intensive speech and occupational therapy. And it was a full-time job, you know, between the children. And that's, that's what's tough is it is such work. But then he started to blossom and he started to speak. And when he spoke, he was loquacious and it was beautiful. And then he, we developed, he developed a passion for writing but he was bullied along the way, and so much so that he thought that, you know, this is too much for me to handle. I don't know if I could go on with my life. So we, again, had some counseling and some interventions. And the other thing that I want parents to consider as they hear this is autism and these little tantrums and behaviors that they may have are kind of cute when they're little. Oh, he's acting out. But when a child becomes a teenager, it's not so cute anymore to have them yelling and kicking and screaming. So it's really important to nip these things young, you know, the the behaviors that can come along with autism and any special needs. So we basically kind of reined him in and got him under control, and then he decided that he wants to help other kids. So this year at the Autism Society of America's con- annual conference, we spoke about um, his experiences and what the things are that he's weak in, something called executive function disorder is our current work. And, you know, it's interesting to hear his perspective, and parents want to hear about his perspective, and teenagers know when they hear him that, hey, I'm not alone. This kid's struggling with the same thing I am. And it's wonderful to see my son blossom and the, everyone responding to this kid that's actually going to make it. You know, he'll he'll be something in this world. And, you know, he has difficulties and weaknesses, but he'll share them. So that's really neat to see him, you know, what he's going to do with it. I don't know. It's up to him, but it's it's fun. And the other son has mitochondrial disease. And that is the other book that we've written because so many children, when they go through medical procedures, feel isolated. And again, they feel like they're the only one. So he wanted to let people know that there are other kids that have this disease, and they go through the same procedures and the same kind of feelings. And so that book was just released. So we're really excited about it. But it's called My Mighty My Mighty Mito. So say that again. Exciting. My M Y Mighty M I G H T Y Mito M I T O, and it's available on Amazon. Great. And it's um, yeah. It's exciting for him. Oh, I think it's exciting for for both of your your sons and also for you. And I want to get back to your older son for a minute because Mm -hmm. many, um, I know for a fact that many people, that not just children on the, the spectrum, but many children graduating from high school and even in college have challenges with executive function. Even some people who are running companies, yeah, that's true, right? And and I think that that's really important in terms of organization and and but by question and so I think it's so bravo that he he's able to stand up in front of an audience and be able to acknowledge 
his so-called areas of weakness. That takes courage, and right, really, it does. What did what happened with the bullying, and what did you, as a parent, do? I have a, a strong work, work, strong background in working with children with bullying. What did you do as a parent to help your son through the bullying? Well, you know, bullying is common with any kids as they enter the middle school area, you know, age group, and maybe even younger, I don't know. But I guess we were a bit naive, my husband and I. We're both optimists, and we have both had pretty nice we're very blessed with kind of, you know, we were, he was the class president and I never had any trouble with bullying growing up. So we didn't expect such things, but he would come home from school and he would have physical manifestations. So he always had a tummy ache and a headache. And, and I guess one of the things I definitely speak about now is when I speak to parents and groups of people is look at the physiological signs of bullying. They're not just I'm depressed, I'm upset, you know. And the other thing is the kids were calling him names. And because there is an innocence that comes along sometimes with having a special need, he had that innocence. And when he was asking me, what does this word mean? They're calling me this. But at least they talked to me, and he would say the word, and I'd say, honey, that's not a nice word. So I guess just kind of teaching him the ways of the world was the first thing we did. And then we immediately then... I created some materials, which I now sell online, to indicate when is a child being nice to you? What does it feel like when someone's not nice to you? And then further, what is a true friend and what is a friend, you know, how should you feel when you're around a true friend? So kind of just educating him and then looking also at his strengths and weaknesses too. And then the other huge thing that we did is we got him into kids with like-minded interests so we got him into a chess club and that changed his life because at this point he's a chess master and he's um, he competes all over for chess and I think that's a confidence builder so you've got to find your child's area of interest and build on that as best you can to to work on those strengths because the world can definitely tear you down if you let it and that's so, you know, that's so very true. I remember I wrote a, my book, Bully Free. It's an ebook, and I interviewed families of children with special needs. And there was one woman who was saying that her son, these, they were in a playground, and her, these children were children. These young girls were teasing him, and and he didn't understand that they were being maligning to him. Right. Because, and and so and and she was horrified that and so like you said she had to teach her her son well this is not acceptable behavior from these children they're not they're not trying to be your friend like he what he wanted to be accepted so that was very difficult i think your son is incredible and and something else that you were talking about that strikes me too is oftentimes when when our children with autism and special needs are going through through high school and they, they may not be getting the vocational training, but even more so, sometimes their talents like in chess or in art or in music are, are not activated. They're not even realized. And like you said, 
Tara, this is a way to for your children to blossom and experience this incredible sense of confidence because this is something that they can excel at, whatever it is, and do well and even do sometimes superior, more superior than, than many other people. Like you said, your son is a chess master. And, and I think that is important that, like you said, we recognize our children's special abilities, their talents, and really begin to hone in on that so that we're building their confidence and, and helping them develop a skill or a talent that they can utilize in, in later life. So bravo that, that you, you and your son were able to do that. Let's switch to your younger child. How, is the, how old is he now? He is 14. And he just two months ago suffered a what's called a metabolic stroke. So that's something that is um, a, a more severe form of his the mitochondrial disease. But he's 14 years old. And how was it to, to write that book? I mean, what, how, give us a little bit of the process that you and he engaged in to because I think this is wonderful for parents to to understand and appreciate. Well, thank you. It, it was it was something that I needed to do with him because he he's he's mostly at home. Unfortunately for him, there are days when he can't get out of bed due to this disease. It's an energy disease and it's an energy crisis in his body. And he feels um quite upset sometimes that he can't do what his friends are doing. So I said to him, you know, why don't we get a cartoon, an artist, basically, to draw a picture of you, because I wanted the book to celebrate him and all their children, but I thought maybe because of the autism, he might be more interested if the book featured him as the main character. So I did hire someone, and they were able to perfectly capture, you know, him being hooked up to his pole um, because he has a tube in his belly that feeds through his stomach and his intestines. And I wanted them to get that particular pole and machine and not just a random one because that's a common one for a lot of kids Joshie's age. So I think he enjoyed and it was empowering for him to get some input into the book. And most of it is actually in his words. And we did a little bit of minor editing, but it's spoken from, you know, Joshua's point of view. And it it was really fun to do and to see it come together just was beautiful. And um, we had someone from Mito Action, and her name is Christy. We had her write the foreword for the book. So it is real also, even though it's a cartoon-based book. We wanted to make sure that it is legitimate and does address the concerns of kids with mitochondrial disease that was really important you know for us to make sure that we got someone reputable to support it and it's it's just a really exciting thing for both Joshua and I and he's it's tough for him to use do handwriting so we made a little phrase up for him and he's working on signing the book slowly but surely that's wonderful really wonderful so you you have several you have books Books and more books. <laughs> I do, and I'm working on another one. <laughs> yes, there's two more books. <laughs> I think it's great. So, firstly, before we talk about the new books, tell us, tell our listeners, like, how did this process of writing the books begin in terms of um, the why and just, again, the, the, the strategies behind it? 
Well, I feel as though occupational therapists are wonderful and we can specialize in so many different areas. And since I've chosen in my specific career to specialize in sensory disorders and autism, I felt that, you know, not only being a therapist but also a parent would give a lot of parents hope and support and just written from someone who's been there. So I wrote my first book, which is The Parent's Guide to Occupational Therapy for Autism and Special Needs, because it's basically everything that I've learned. And the book is designed in a question-answer format. So the point of it is that anyone could pick up the book at any time and say, hey, my child's having trouble brushing his teeth. What can I do? And then it's just a plethora of interventions that you could try. And then another chapter's on handwriting and then gross and fine motor skills and just a lot of sensory information. So it not only gives you what is happening with your child, but then what you can do about it. And that was really important to me to put in all of my books because there's nothing worse than paying for a book or a course or, a spe- you know, coming to see a speaker and getting, yes, this is what's happening, but then feeling, okay, what do I do next? And that's specifically what I I wanted to just empower the people that read the book. And then the second book is the Special Needs School Survival Guide. And it also just last week won an Academics Choice Award because it's, again, a book that teachers, parents, even students can read and say, why can't I sit up in my seat? Why is this happening to me? And then it's just information that's scientifically based with techniques and tips. The uh, the next book is then the Weighted Blanket book, which we there is nothing out there that's kind of a comprehensive book as to what is a weighted blanket. And it's not just for kids. It's about adults with post-traumatic stress disorder and uh, fibromyalgia and many different things. And it's basically just a meta-analysis of all of the research that's been done so far and even how to make a weighted blanket. So again, well, let's hopefully talk, let's talk about that yeah. for a minute because a lot of sure. us are reading a question. She's asking, "What do you? What is it? What is a weighted blanket, and how? And why is it used? And how is it used?" So, so let's give them some information about it. That's a great question. A weighted blanket is simply a heavy blanket, and usually, well, we used to use corn or rice inside the pockets, but it's basically poly pellets now because they're, of course, non-toxic and don't sprout grains. But a weighted blanket, by definition, is a blanket with weight that is evenly distributed onto your body. And it's the point of it is to work on your body's tactile system. So your body and your skin respond to pressure and touch and when someone is wearing the blanket it gives a nice kind of hug or squeeze feeling and a lot of people wonder their whole lives why did I want to sleep with a heavy quilt versus a light sheet and it's just sometimes very very calming for people to have a lot of weight and to get the feeling of a hug And hugs release nice dopamine and and serotonin. They release nice chemicals that make our bodies feel good. And if someone's body responds to that kind of sensation, then a weighted blanket is a good option. It also is something that can be removed and applied whenever you want it. So um, you can make them on your own, and there's several companies that sell them. However, they're expensive. So I... I love that we've given you instructions to make the blankets because if you're able to sew, that would be, of course, the most cost-effective way to, to make a weighted blanket for yourself. 
And like you said, it, it, it offers the, the, the individual who's utilizing it a sense of warmth, a sense of security, a sense mm-hmm. of calm, and it, it, it gets all those great endorphins moving in, the, right, in your brain, which, which tells your body you're safe and, and, you're, and you mm-hmm. feel good. So I think that yeah, that, and it's used one. yeah, and it's used in a lot of mental health units and and a lot of with a, you know kids with autism, of course, that respond to pressure and and hugs, but also like you stated with adults it, that just you know suffer with chronic pain and other issues. It is it's a feel good type of product. Uh, your pocket occupational therapist. Okay, how did that come about? <laughs> that that title. <laughs> that's that, a, did you give it to yourself? Did somebody I give did, it? I did. You know, we when you sit down and wrote. I started out my my company. I also create CDs for kids with autism that we didn't even get to talk about. But but the CDs are were designed because my own children were afraid of some loud noises, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to record these noises and with a beat and have my sister sing, uh, who's a music therapist by trade, she was going to sing some songs to these sounds like sirens and fireworks. The company at the time, my son, my older son, was into drawing roads, road maps and routes and things. So I thought, I'm going to call this business Route to Greatness. Well, that meant a lot to me, but it wasn't meaning anything to anybody else. So I think when you choose a business name, <laughs> It's got to be meaningful. So eventually we changed over, and I became the pocket occupational therapist. And the funny thing is my husband said, you've got to be careful because you don't want to be the OT in their pocket. That kind of would be odd. <laughs> so I thought, yeah, I'm going to just make it the pocket you know, occupational therapist. And the point of that is that I'm writing these pocket books or handbooks, and I'm with you anytime you need me. And who doesn't want a therapist, you know, right there with them anytime they need help? And that's my whole goal is to be there for anyone that needs me through the purchase of my books or courses or speaking or my blog and whatever means necessary. I want to be there to help in your pocket. <laughs> and you really are. So what do you tell parents? Again, your your children are getting older and many parents, especially some parents whose kids are exiting high school and they're not sure if they're going to be able to get a job or, or get have the skills necessary. What do you tell parents? How do you help them along that aspect of their journey, Kara? That's another wonderful question. You know, the thing is, is that occupational therapists by trade, uh, the name implies getting a job. Well, we really work with people on the job of living. So, Occupational therapists are, should be part of what's called a transition plan. And as students have a, which they should, if they have a special need and they require assistance, they should have some sort of educational plan called an IEP, Individualized Educational Plan, or some sort of transition plan. And according to the law, this should, in the United States at least, this should happen before graduation, so a few years before graduation. Really, for parents, I need them to understand their rights as a parent of a child with special needs, is that there is a team that can help you, but make a list of things that your child is good at and things that your child isn't good at, and let them spend a day or two or a few hours, however much, you know, however they can tolerate, however long they can tolerate with 
in this profession. So if your child might be interested in programming, spend a day with a computer programmer. If your child's afraid of loud noises, then an airport manufacturing facility wouldn't be an appropriate job. So just kind of look around at your child's interests and see if there's a team available for transition planning. The other interesting consideration is if your child is going to go to college. I had recently written a, an article for Autism Asperger's Digest magazine which is a Future Horizons um, publication, but the, the article was about transition planning and just looking at the colleges that might offer support. And there are many that actually have extra support for kids with special needs that might have, require some extra organization or some stress management where, oh, my gosh, I'm overwhelmed. I'm going to go to my you know, counselor or my support person and talk it out. So there are many things like that to look at. And it's a simple Google search for the colleges that have these types of programs. And, you know, technical school is not a bad thing. A welder can come out of college making a lot more money than someone with a bachelor's degree. So there's no shame in any kind of you know, pro job because as long as you're enjoying what you do, it's really not work, right? Definitely. And, you know, I like what you said about the colleges. I recently discovered in, now I'm in New Jersey, in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Delaware. I recently discovered there's a nonprofit organization, I can't recall the name right now, that that, that takes children with autism and special needs who are going to go into college like the next year in September. What they do is they run a summer, a small program, maybe it's two weeks or whatever, where they help these children get adjusted to going to classes, to living in a dorm, if that's the area, and it really gives them, you and I have been talking about empowerment, really gives them a sense of empowerment and ease to for the next, a rehearsal and support, which, which I think is so important. I want to emphasize something here about the IEP, like you said, the individual education plan, because I often advocate for families. And what I want to tell families with children with special needs, this is a legal document. So if your school or clinician at the school, whatever, if they are not following this document that you've had to sign off on and agree to, you need to be proactive. And whether you get an advocate or have, or you say, well, how come my child isn't receiving OT and it's listed that he or she receives it twice a week or whatever, you as a parent have a right to question that because like you said, that you are in your right, and I want I want to emphasize that because I've been finding out, unfortunately, that there are several programs where there are children with these IEPs, and maybe because the the children or the families speak a different language or whatever, those needs are not being met. Not a shame. It is a shame, and you know you're absolutely. 100% right. I speak across the country 
And as I do, I am always shocked. At, I, I like to involve the audience. And one of the things I ask is, is, you know, does your child have an IEP? And a lot of people raise their hand. And then I'll say, is the IEP being followed? And it's amazing to me that at least, at least a quarter of the, the families then come up to me at the end and tell me that the school is not following the IEP and not collecting the data. But there's a website called Rights Law, W-R-I-G-T-H, no, <laughs> W-R-I-G-H-T-S-L-A-W, Rights Law. And it also has links to individual states. And they, you know, each state has certain rights as well. But the interesting thing about it, as you said, is that it is based on the 504 plan is part of an IEP. It is actually based on a civil rights law. So every American citizen, you know, they have to abide by this because it's a civil rights law to, to give this child this plan if they need it. So absolutely, and make sure you know your rights and read the plan and review it often to make sure that your child is getting what's stated in the plan. That's a huge point, and I'm so glad you brought that up again. Thank you. So we're you and I could talk for hours because this we is could. so important, <laughs> and I want to get this message out to, to families. Before we before you leave and tell people how to get a hold of you and your incredible books, the books you're, you're writing for families, the books that you and your sons have been engaged in, what would you like to tell to both families with children with autism and special needs and also families of so-called typical children, if that really exists? But <laughs> What's your well, final message for, for all of these people? I really know that everyone is different, and I want us to celebrate our differences. And I want just you to know that you're not alone in anything. There's always support available. And having a positive attitude or seeking the positive is my most important message to you because I could sit just as well as anyone and say, look, my life is tough. I have these kids with you know, special needs. The divorce rate is high with kids with special needs and, and in general. But we've got to try to – empowerment is important. And that's the other thing is you, when you feel vulnerable and helpless and powerless, the thing that you can do is educate yourself to make a difference. And that's huge to me. And if I can help in any way to be a part of that, that is my mission. And that's what changed me as a parent and makes me – continue every day with life because we all know it's difficult for everybody but especially for those of us that are raising these children with extra challenges that knowledge is power and don't feel powerless when you start to feel that complete a mindfulness activity deep breathing and think i can do this and here's how i can start one little baby step is all it takes to help you to feel stronger as a parent. Just get out there and just do a little research. And, you know, don't put pressure on yourself. One little change a day. You can't change anything unless you just start with a baby step. And that's what I encourage you to do is just take one little step with your child to start some positive changes and know that there's so many of us out there that have been through this and that it can be done. And I promise you that I can help you (laughs) and, you know, other people want to help as well. So you're not alone. 
Wonderful. And I love, like I said, I love the work that you're doing, Kara, and I think it's it's very, very important. And and something that you said is pivotal. I want to end with that, too. And that is that people need to recognize that they aren't alone, that men, there are many people all across the globe, not just in the United States, who may be experiencing similar challenges. And it's important to reach out Get the help that you need. Get the help that your children need so that you can be empowered and supported and help your children move along on their journey. Kara, tell people how they can get a hold of you, your books, everything that you're doing, because I want them to be able to celebrate with you all of what you're doing to serve others. Well, my website is www.pocket. P-O-C-K-E-T, then O-T dot com. So pocketot dot com. All of the information to purchase my books from their publisher is on my website. There's links to it. I also am on Facebook under The Pocket O-T. That is also uh, on my website, had a link to it. And I also offer a free blog on and some actual free videos and products on my website. So the best way is through that. Now, if you would like to email me personally or contact me for speaking engagements or trainings, you can also fill out the contact me form on that website or email me at thepocketot at gmail.com. So the website does not have the, but my email does. Wonderful. Kara, thank you so much for all that you do, for changing lives, and for being an incredible guest on the Power Your Life show. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Way, for having me, and, and all you do as well. It's so so nice to have encouraging and positive people spreading the message, so I thank you as well. My pleasure. Thanks again. We are shifting gears next week, but before we do, I want you to really take in all of what Kara's doing and how she and her children, her boys, are making such an incredible difference. It will warm your hearts and provide you with information and knowledge and the support that you may need. We are switching gears next week and on December 21st, as we're heading into the holiday season for many, many people, we are going to have Lisa Loving Dalton who is a Hollywood stunt woman, and she's going to reveal everything. And her book is called Literally Falling for the Stars because as a stunt woman, that's one of the things that she needed to do. So stay tuned for that. And remember what Kara said that's very pivotal, and that is that there is help, that early intervention is important, that finding out what your children's strengths are, whether your child is a typical child, whatever that means, like I always say, or some a child on the, on the autism spectrum or special needs. Every child has strengths and talents, and as a parent, as a somebody who works with children, I think it's important to recognize those and to celebrate those and to help your children bring them out so that, that they can be the best that they can be. If you want to get a hold of me, you can go to drjoannewhite.com, D-R-J-O-A-N-N-E-W-H-I-T-E.com. There are many books. There are videos. There's a lot of free information. And remember, each and every day, you have the ability 
the power, the wherewithal to change, even as Kara was talking earlier, just take one step in a direction and, and sometimes just those steps in in some consecutive order can really help you reach your goal. I did that with my PhD program because I was like overwhelmed with, oh my God, I had to do all this in terms of research. One little step makes it easier and you can celebrate that, wow, I just completed that one step. Next and then next. So you have the ability to empower yourself and to feel really good and that's a choice. And remember to Keep those people around you who support you and who believe in you as I do. Thanks so much for joining us and have a blessed day wherever you are. You've been listening to the Power Your Life radio show with host and author, Dr. Joanne White. Listen often and spread the word about the upbeat show to enrich you and grow your life in the direction you desire. Listen again and again and visit DocWhite.org for more information and find out how Dr. Joanne can benefit you. Thank you for sharing your day with us and stay tuned for more exciting guests and events to come.